Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more, from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, Facebook changes its name to Meta. We're going to talk about Aura Ring and the situation with health wearables. Also, Stockholm gets a new Creative Tech Week. And we are asking ourselves, are we seeing the end of the B Corp? I'm Conor Olsen, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with Roland Fripp Kretschmar, our Editor-at-Large for Future and Digitalization, and our Junior Editor, Eric Sedin. Hey, guys. Hi, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you doing? How you been? Eric, what's, what, what have you been up to the last week? Uh, I'm in a great mood because uh, this last week we received, I don't know if listeners know this, but we write, every week we write a guide about one city in Scandinavia. And this week we went to Tampere, which to me, I didn't know that town existed until Wednesday when I received it. But I get really, I get really pumped up of just traveling through Scandinavia when I, when I put together, I, I edit these guides. We, we get mm -hmm. people, we get different personalities from Scandinavia to write them. So Tampere, Finland, which apparently is uh, the most popular city to move to in Finland these days. I really want to go there and I recommend everyone to read it live now yeah no we it's a very popular format it's really the on the lifestyle end of the scandinavian mind uh, spectrum but it's, it's a popular format and we do it every every week roland how are you i'm great thanks i mean it's it's friday we're soon uh, closing the month uh, fantastic and actually eric um you know, the, the Tampere guide, uh, I happen to work in a company during my daytime where um, we have quite extensive presence in Tampere. So I actually shared uh, the article to some colleagues that are based in Tampere. So, so thanks for that. And that actually, uh, there were quite a lot of interesting news to them as well. Okay, great. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm so happy we're doing this podcast. It's now the third week in a row we're doing the weekly format. It sort of complements our other, uh, uh, you know, uh, contents on, on this feed, uh, namely the the panel talks that we do uh, at our events and our long form interviews. And uh, for those who follow the feed, uh, could hear my interview with Mikael Dalian earlier this week. I was really happy about finally meeting Mikael Dalian. Uh, obviously a famous personality in Sweden. He got some traction internationally. I think he's a pretty popular speaker within within business. He's a professor at the Stockholm School of Economics. He's written a, a really funny uh, and great book about numbers and how numbers are controlling our lives. So a little bit of a, a, a self-promotion here. But if you haven't listened to that, do that because I had a great time doing that interview. A great interview and I actually it's funny I was walking in the woods while listening and realizing that I have myself kind of got stuck on the number of steps I take every day every day right so uh, now I'm not looking anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah no he talks a lot about that and how numbers are, are, are sort of 
running our lives in ways that becomes really comical. And uh, I think there's a lot of recognition there, especially in terms of, of the way these health apps are, are, are controlling our lives. I've done that the same, the exact same thing, walked several, uh, uh, you know, rounds around the block just to get up to uh, my, my goal is 15,000 steps a day. So. <laughs> Which brings us to our first big topic, I think. We're going to talk about um, wearables. Well, actually, let's wait on the order ring and the situation with health, health wearables because last night, and we're recording this on, on Friday uh, morning, we're actually releasing it on Friday uh, afternoon or noon. So it's, it's really up to date. But last night, I just want to get your take on this. Uh, Facebook announced that they're changing their name, uh, their company name to Meta. Uh, Roland, any first thoughts? Uh, listen, it will have zero short-term impact. <laughs> I mean, it's just cosmetics. They're changing mm. the name of the mother company. Google did the same a couple of years ago when they um, uh, launched Alphabet. Uh, I, I think it's just clarifying the kind of the portfolio where Facebook is now seen as one of the products of the portfolio of Meta. However, in the long term, I think it's a sign where they are heading. And this uh, Zuck has been quite clear about this. Um, he wants to turn um, uh, Facebook uh, into a um, metaverse company, uh, moving from uh, being a social media company. I mean, in short, what that means is basically that he's preparing uh, Facebook and, and the other uh, product companies in the portfolio to kind of be ready for this immersive metaverse where basically we will all live uh, in this parallel uh, universe, uh, parallel internet. Mm -hmm. uh, just Google the term metaverse and then you will find out more. I mean, we, we don't have time to deep dive into this. But yeah, so short term, zero impact, long term, huge impact. Yeah, it's super interesting. And, and you know, obviously the metaverse has, has been a recurring topic on this podcast and in the Scandinavian Mind uh, uh, news feed the last six month, uh, months, I think. And, uh, you know, as you say, I think the, the harshest critics say that this is sort of a, a way to obfuscate and, and pull away attention from all the criticism around Facebook the last um, uh, year or so. And it, it has intensified the last year with with the uh, whistleblower Francis uh, Haugen uh, talking about how they sort of uh, really knew about the damages uh, been done on the platform with regards to the insurrection uh, earlier this year. So perhaps it's a way for, for Mark to sort of wash his hands and distance himself from the Facebook brand because I'm, 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 I'm guessing there's going to be a separate Facebook company with a separate CEO and that CEO can, can go up to Congress and be in hearings and stuff like that. And he has, he can just stay at, you know, his compound in, in Silicon Valley talking about the future of the metaverse. But listen, Conrad, at the end of the day, shareholder value uh, tells all, right? So right. you just have to look at the, the stock market to see what the real impact is. Mm. Uh, Facebook has gone through many crises uh, throughout the years, you know, at the end of the day, not a huge impact on the on the, on the stock price. Uh, so you know, I'm not sure this is only meant to kind of take away the focus from uh, the current whistleblower crisis. No, no. I gotta say though, I'm kind of disappointed that Zuckerberg takes such a strong. I'm both excited, but I'm also disappointed that he takes a, such a stronghold on the meta metaverse concept. Because we have been excited about this. 
uh, for a year now. We've been talking about it with with you know VR experts here in Sweden. We've been talking about how this you know has implications on fashion. Uh, there's really you know exciting stuff happening, and 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 you know tech optimists see this as the way forward for you know internet itself. It's bigger than the internet because it's where we're going to live, you know, in the years to come. And now Facebook. Uh, with all their, you know, I, I'm never on Facebook anymore. I, I don't like that platform. And for them to sort of take this stronghold on the metaverse and lead the way, it's kind of worrisome. But I guess, you know, if someone would do it, 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 it I'm sure it would be him or Google or any of the other guys who has the scale to to implement some of these concepts. But I, I would view it in this way that when when Facebook launched many years ago, we were all very active on Facebook and for, for, for many years after mm -hmm. that. And then there came uh, many other social media platforms and we you, you kind of decided where you felt most comfortable. I think we will see the same kind of progress here where Facebook with their muscle power, they, they will kind of <clears throat> open up this Pandora box of the metaverse. They will invest a lot of resources set the kind of frameworks for how it will work and function and then you will see a lot of different companies emerge uh, in this journey uh, so you know i don't think we will be kind of forced into the facebook uh, universe because of this yeah we'll really we'll we'll see how it goes and i think we'll, we we have reason to come back to this topic and and cover it here on the podcast it's a really exciting development um, other exciting developments is on the uh, wearable side. It's also something that we've been covering in the Scandinavian Mind platform quite quite extensively. Eric, there's been a launch uh, from uh, one of our fellow uh, Nordic neighbors uh, the, the past week. Uh, what can you tell us? Yeah, so going back to Finland, uh, we were on Tampere in the intro. We're going now to uh, to Ura or Uraring, Finnish uh, tech brand uh, that just released its third generation Aura Ring. So uh, the Aura Ring is basically world's smallest uh, health wearable. It weighs as much like a regular ring. It might look a bit more clumsy, but I think it weighs like four or six grams. And this new uh, generational shift or generational update includes more sensors and uh, also includes 24-7 hour temperature measurement, mm. which is new. I never wrote about Aura before. I wrote about them this week. I don't know if you guys know anything more about them, but... Uh, Really interesting, really cool. It's the world's smallest wearable, so that's. Yeah, I've been following them for many years. Um, uh, they, I mean, they, they have been quite present at different trade fairs, you know, slush and those kind of uh, tech fairs, etc. And uh, I mean, it's been kind of this accessory for for techies for for quite some some time now. Then also, actually, um, when I interviewed Sofia Benz, uh, the first cover story of Scandinavian Mind, the printed issue last year. Uh, we talked about Aura Ring because she was one of the early investors there. So, you know, it's it's um, there's a lot of connection to Aura. And to my understanding, having looked into many wearables, I've tried, I mean, extensively different devices. To my understanding, uh, the Aura Ring is one of the most precise uh, devices out there, actually. Um, and especially if you're interested in, in sleeping patterns, etc., yeah, exactly. And that's what well, that's been uh, Aura's like main. They've doubled down on sleep health. This time, this new update, third generation ring, is it also measures your heart rate and your oxygen level during the day. So it's twenty four seven. That's new for them, and that's where I kind of see some kind of. Uh, it's not problematic, but personally, it's problematic for me because I once tried the Apple Watch, the latest Apple Watch, 
uh, apple scented toast and I tried it and I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand having my body read and measured and mapped <laughs> for 24 hours of the day. Yeah. It got me stressed. It got me, it was hard like at the end of the day having to see a number of how well I lived and how well I have done my day. Mm. Nonetheless, I could have felt amazing. I could have, I had a great productive day. I took a walk during lunch and I felt relaxed and I felt uh, focused and I come home and the watch would tell me, oh, up again tomorrow. This was not a good day, but we go again tomorrow. <laughs> I, know, it's, I, I don't know. It's, uh, the aura ring is very impressive. And for people that, you know, I think speaking of numbers, we talked about it before, people might find comfort in numbers, you know, having, they, they love the hard facts. They love like the hard numbers that they can rely on. To me, make- not so much. Yeah, Mikael talks about this in the interview uh, that I did with him and, and that the fact that it's very polarizing with numbers. So if we get a bad review of our, our health apps or whatever, we feel worse. If, we, if we're if we on a good trajectory, a good momentum, we feel better. So he actually had a funny story where he hacked his wife's, uh, was it Fitbit or something, and to to have it show a more positive result, and uh, just to get her, you know, motivated and pumped for her, her upcoming marathon, half marathon. I thought it was, I think it was, and uh, it, it says something. I, I've been using the Fitbit for uh, I think uh, a couple of years, and in the beginning, I was obsessed with with reaching my targets and reaching my sleep targets and reaching my you know steps per day and and the number of workouts per week. And, uh, you know, at, at some points, and then I just kind of forgot about it. Now I just sort of dip in a few times a week. I, I think I found a healthy way to do it. And, and I think that's key here with, with all these new technologies is find the right kind of balance and find where it's helpful. But now it can, it can go over a week until it, before I don't even check it. But I, I will go in and see where, I, where, I'm, where I'm at sort of generally. And that gives me some sort of... Um, um, in, instruction or, or helps with, with intentions going forward. So a fascinating topic for sure. Also, the Aura Ring 3 has uh, it's introduced a, um, a menstrual cycle prediction because mm. the new ring has, uh, so we're on Femtech now basically, it has uh, temperature measurements on the ring so it can men- men- uh, measure your temperature of your body 24-7 when you sleep, uh, when you're awake. So uh, uh, that can predict uh, when your period will come. So it can predict like, oh, you should probably be on the lookout now because next week uh, uh, might be the start of your cycle, which is cool. I haven't really seen that in other wearables before. Eric, and I think that that's um, <clears throat> definitely a sector, I mean, Femtech in general, that's going to continue to grow exponentially. I mean, I, I must just add a comment uh, related to Conrad. You know, I, I also tried a lot of these devices uh, manically a couple of years ago. And then at some point, I just decided to stop completely. I mean, I, I even wear an analog watch, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I think honestly, at the end of the day, people are missing out on on just feeling how they are, you know, uh, right. so they trust the device more than they trust their gut feeling. Uh, and this is something I'm working a lot on. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, with the counting steps, actually now having worked uh, remotely, uh, mainly from home for the past 20 months, uh, I, I have been sitting down more than ever. Uh, so I'm actually checking in on my step count uh, in, in uh, just a health app of, of my iPhone, you know, just to kind of keep track that I'm you know, not sitting uh, down too much, you know. Um, so, yeah, but uh, I, I think uh, trust your gut feeling and you will come quite far.
Yeah, let's let's revisit this and and perhaps uh, we can get a chance to we need to we need to reach out to Aura. Uh, send us the ring so we can try it. Uh, we need to get Eric, our, our also who doubles as our tech editor, to to try this and, and get some more intel. Um, so we'll send this to the to the PR representative of Aura Ring. All right, moving on. Roland, you've been thinking a lot about the B Corp uh, lately. Uh, when you mentioned to me we were going to talk about this, I didn't actually know what it was. So, so let's set this up for us. What is the B Corp and why should we talk about it right now? Okay, so I mean, in simple terms, B Corp is a sort of um, a company structure that is uh, um, established in the US where you are basically... Uh, committing to reinvest uh, your your profits into um, uh, efforts that would then impact uh, social environmental causes in a positive way. Uh, Patagonia is, is uh, I think, one of the most famous B Corps, and there are many other examples out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the B Corp structure was launched a couple of years ago, this was then meant as an incentive for corporations in the U.S. to basically... Uh, be frontrunners in the area of sustainability, which is fantastic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with B Corps, right? I mean, but I think what we are looking into now when we talk about this kind of death of the B Corp is basically, I think we are soon reaching a tipping point where all companies should be or are becoming B Corps. So, um, I mean, there was one example that that kind of uh, uh, went uh, viral in the in the sustainability community this week. There's a company called Ace and Tate. They are basically uh, doing um, glasses uh, frames, and they sent out a manifesto where basically they just acknowledged that they fucked up. Sorry, my language, but that that's actually the title of their blog post. Look, mm, we fucked mm. up. So um, they went uh, through then. Uh, point by point, everything that they did wrong about their sustainability efforts in the last couple of years. Uh, So, you know, they they talk about bad moves. So, you know, overlooking the social impact that um, when they became a B Corp, they didn't realize enough what it really meant and how they should structure the sustainability efforts. Um, They still continue to prioritize aesthetics over real impact. You know, they are a design company, obviously. Uh, they set unrealistic carbon goals. Um, they looked more at kind of in- decreasing CO2 emissions by kind of ignoring the rest of the sustainability um, area, etc. So, you know, they basically um, just acknowledged that uh, they mm-hmm. were on the wrong track. They ne- needed to rethink um, everything that, that they do in the sustainability area. Now, um, I think... In, in Sweden, uh, in Scandinavia in particular, we're pretty well positioned uh, when we talk about sustainability. A lot of other companies, the leading companies in, in the Scandinavian market space have for many years uh, put a lot of effort into sustainability. But you could also argue that a lot of these uh, efforts have only, let's say, been um, visible through sustainability reports it has not been you know it's maybe been kind of greenwashing it has not been done um for real let's say right Mm. so Mm. uh, i i think we will see uh, still a lot of of um activity in this space um but i also uh, there's um something i need to mention there's a uh, i would say actually famous brand strategies anna angelic 
she's currently heading up um, <clears throat> brand and, and kind of has relaunched Banana Republic. She has long experience in the retail and fashion sector. She's a publisher. She's a, a, a doctor at university. Uh, you know, she, she, she's a well-established um, uh, theorist and strategist in the field of branding. Okay. And Anna has uh, written about B Corps for many years. And basically, she commented the Ace and Tate uh, manifest uh, this week. And, you know, she talks about this kind of radical transparency, responsible production, you know, that these are now buzzwords made, made into reality. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of admirable efforts turned into a trend, which now is not really a trend anymore. It is becoming the driving force uh, for, for most companies. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, in, in short, I would say that if you are interested into the future of companies, uh, you know, how the world um, could be made better, Google the word uh, B Corp. There's a lot uh, on the topic. Um, if you Google B Corp, Ace and Tate, you can read the manifest yourself. Maybe we can even include the link into the show notes. And actually, I would also recommend you to... Um, Check out Anna Angelic uh, if you're interested into uh, the topics of branding and the future of mm. marketing, the future of, of how you run companies. Now, super interesting topic and, and obviously um, something we've covered, especially with the lens of, of fashion. I, I think what's interesting here is, look, sustainability is hard. It's really hard. And, you know, if you look at the complete sort of life cycle of garments uh, uh also look at you know distribution uh, transportation uh you know how we source certain materials so forth it it makes it a really difficult subject and and, and i i think it's fascinating that you know, some of these brands come out and really what, what like what can they do the, the only thing they can do is say something in the lines of of what ace and tate is saying so sort of look we've we fucked up i think noah new york and other sort of cool uh you know contemporary kind of streetwearish brand from from new york they had a similar campaign uh, the other year that I kind of appreciated in it, its sort of, you know, it was really sort of subtle and stale, but it was kind of all they could do where they stood at that time. Um, so I think the notion of, of transparency will become much, much more uh, important for these lifestyle brands. And many of them are going to realize that they there's so much they cannot do with their current setup. Um, you know, we have been uh, roaming many of the fashion weeks the, the past few years. You know, I've I've seen many brands that do great stuff uh, that really have sort of long-term uh, initiatives that really look at their, their company and their impact in a really sort of uh, honest way. I think Knowledge Cotton Apparel from Denmark is, is one of the, the good ones. Um, maybe not for their aesthetics, but for how they run their business and take care of the employees and the employees of the factories that they work with. And it's really sort of grounded. There are other uh, horrible examples I've seen where you have like, you know, some of these uh, uh, mid-level fashion brands that sell pretty sort of accessible, affordable garments. You can sort of tell that this is not, you know, uh, done with with you know responsibility in mind. And then they do like one jacket with 
recycle the water bottles uh, in the polyester and you know they paint their whole sort of uh you know trade fair booth with the sustainability uh, uh headline just because of that one jacket mm. and that's no. not going to fly anymore i mean no one you know no one get no one buys that anymore and i, I definitely think the consumer don't buy that anymore no, exactly. And I, and I think uh, if we talk about age and, and, and kind of <laughs> generational impact, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Conrad, you and I, we are both uh, 40 plus, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> for us, it, we're, we're still kind of in this borderline between the old ways and the new ways, right? Hmm. But if you're younger, I mean, you basically are not accepting this. As you say, this is just greenwashing. It's it's totally non-acceptable. And I don't, th- I think also we should not underestimate um kind of behavioral contagion. So, you know, if, if, if your neighbors install solar panels, you will do as well. If your yeah. neighbor buys a Tesla, you will do as well or, or a cheaper alternative, you know. And this is something that's happening right now everywhere in all sectors. Hmm. And I hope that actually this manifest of Ace and Tate will have then the same impact on other companies because you're right. They're, I mean, the the, the the signs we see are only like, yeah, we're doing these initiatives and, you know, it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg, basically. I would like H&M to write a manifest about what they're doing wrong mm. instead of what they're doing right. Mm. Because that would then be really, um, you know, radical transparency. It would definitely then show us, okay, so there there's still a lot of work to be done, right? So, mm. you know, again... Nothing against all the positive um, uh, initiatives that H&M and the big companies are doing. Obviously not. Uh, but in reality, I mean, they are far, far, far away from, from the targets they have set. Yeah, and I've, uh, it's also worth note, you know, noting there's a great business opportunity here. I think we, we released a report a year ago, and we're actually going to do a follow-up in, in the uh, uh, next issue of, of Scandinavian Mind. Uh, where our uh, our friend and colleague Fredrik Ekström uh, uh, wrote a report called the uh, the new sustainable consumer, and there's a dis- discrepancy between the 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 thirst in the market for you know brands that take responsibility that are doing more sustainable efforts and so forth, and the actual um, supply. Like there aren't enough brands taking uh, you know a, a responsible responsible stand and are doing you know g- good enough stuff within responsibility. So, uh, but I, but you know having said that, this is this is hard stuff. This is not something you solve from one season to the next if you are a fashion or a lifestyle brands producing uh, uh, lifestyle products. So uh, definitely interesting to see where this is going. I think it's it's definitely worth coming back to especially you know mentioning H&M this is something i've been thinking a lot about and we should really dive into this because you know obviously one of the world's biggest fast fashion brands but they're also one of the companies that have some of the most fascinating sustainability initiatives and then doing a lot of research and investing a lot of money into this but naturally i think they have troubles with how they sh- should and can communicate this uh, given their their total impact uh, no, but, and that's but a let, good point you have, Conrad, that, of course, I mean, the big companies are well positioned to be also hmm. the ones that invest the most in this area, such as, you know, China is the, co- is, is the country that invests the most in, in, in uh, renewable energy, whilst in the same time being the, the worst polluters, right? Right. And, and I think about this time span perspective, I mean, the company I work for during daytime, Storenzo, is it's a world-leading forestry company. We just launched our sustainability targets uh, 
uh, two weeks ago, where we basically said that in 2050, we're going to be 100% circular. Mm. Uh, and that's an extremely ambitious target for an industrial manufacturing company. Uh, but it takes, you know, uh, 20 years or 30 years to reach those targets. And, and so you have to be also be realistic. Yeah, and that's, and that's interesting with part of, of, of the Ace and Tate story is that they are they started out with unreasonable goals. So I think it's kind of easy for uh, these type of brands that are really communication driven that like, oh, let's just say something, uh, you know, in five years or in 10 years, we're going to reach this. And I think it's just healthy that they realize it, it, this is a tough, tough cookie, tough nut to crack. And it's hard to reach these goals. And we, we have to really invest and, and do uh, do some work here. I also thought it was interesting that uh, Ace and Tate, how they were kind of self-aware, how they were the ones saying, look, we fucked up because someone's going to do the reporting, someone's going to do the digging anyways, right? Like the mm -hmm. Greta, Greta Thunberg generation, they will do the research, they will hunt these brands down like they do so often. So I think it's, from a PR point, it could have a value to be kind of self-aware and go out like, look, this is what we're doing really bad, we have to fix this now. I and then, I mean, I agree with you, Eric, that's, that's the kind of angle I, I, uh, I used uh, to approach this topic. But then, obviously, uh, on internet, <laughs> you also see then a backlash, where of basically course. a lot mm -hmm. of uh, consumers are saying, or critics are saying, hey, you know, this is, again, just an example of greenwashing. You know, um, it's easy to say that we fuck up, but what do you really do then? <laughs> you know, show us yeah, the, the real work instead of yeah. writing manifests. Yeah, of course. and that, I think that's just part of it, and that's fine. I think brands shouldn't be discouraged by that because I think a lot of brands, you know, uh, we talked uh, this past spring in a few a couple of episodes uh, about the term green hushing. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a term I did I didn't realize existed, but you know brands are actually downplaying the sustainability efforts because they don't want this backlash, because they know that every time, especially if you're a fashion brand, every time you say something about sustainability, you get a backlash because you are actually you know you can't there's no two ways about it if you're producing fashion in the current sort of cyclical system with 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 the spring summer and autumn winter collections you are causing harm on the planet and so there's just no way to to do this right and i i encourage brands to you know do whatever you can and talk about it i think that's the only way we can move forward and that's the only way brands can differentiate also so i, I would I, I think and i of course the backlash is healthy it should be there uh, people should put a, a, a put this under the microscope uh, whatever is happening but at the same time brands shouldn't be discouraged they should do whatever they can and they should talk about it that's i think that's super important i totally agree and actually i see then connections also to the earlier topic of meta and facebook you know whatever facebook says they will be proven to do something wrong you know uh, when you are I mean, the, 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 basically, at the end of the day, what we are saying here is that we want a healthy debate, mm. right? We need to talk openly about these things, um, regardless if it's uh, meta, Facebook or sustainability or whatever topic, there needs to be a healthy debate climate. Uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, on, on the Internet, it's usually uh, quite an unhealthy debate climate. <laughs> I just want to mention, I got a press release the other day uh, that uh, uh, Stockholm is getting a new creative tech week. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, it's, 
invest Stockholm, which is part of uh, you know the the city of Stockholm, uh, together with Stockholm Music City. Um, they have presented something they call Stockholm uh, Creative Tech Week, which I thought was interesting. It's going to happen at the end of November, uh, where the Stockholm will be highlighted as a stage for creativity, I'm reading now, for international and local investors. The program will showcase tech companies within the culture and creative industries with a special focus on music, film, TV, gaming, esports, and fashion. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It's a new take on, on, on the whole tech scene. Uh, Roland, did you see this? Yeah, I saw it. I'm excited. I pl- I'm planning to go. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. I actually posted on LinkedIn the other day that if people ask me what I do at work, I usually say I'm a creative technologist. So, you know, I think I, I'm the target audience here. Just right. waiting for, for the invite now. <laughs> I think it also kind of begs the question, uh, you know, obviously this happens, I think, the week before Slush in Finland. I think uh, that, that comes, uh, and I, I'm sure they've thought about this w- with regards to timing and perhaps international guests can sort of hop over to Helsinki afterwards. Um, there is know, even I, a ferry you can book. Actually. All right. Yeah. All right. You're, Between you're in, the two you're, events. You, you, uh, <laughs> Take you are really you're really you're, yeah. you're already writing your itinerary, Roland. I can hear. <laughs> I, I emailed both the one asking for press passes too, and I looked up the boat price. It was quite expensive, actually. You guys, Even you guys are ahead of me. Boat. Well, we should definitely check this out. I think it really sort of uh, uh, begs the question: Is there uh, uh, an opportunity for kind of like a Nordic uh, South by Southwest? <laughs> I think there's a lot of uh, exciting things happening in this space. Uh, I think uh, it's interesting that tech is sort of flirting with fashion, uh, especially the way we've seen sort of the Stockholm Fashion Week sort of deteriorating the past few years. Perhaps tech can uh, uh, take a position here and and sort of uh, pick up the mantle, if you will. I mean, I think it's... uh, uh, What's the headline of Scandinavian Mind? Bridging lifestyle and technology. There you go, Conrad. (laughs) You, you You were early. Yeah, we 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 will follow this closely. We will definitely go, and I also think we should should go to uh, Slush. We'll see if we we can manage all three of us. Maybe we can do a little live podcast there or something. Yeah, I've been to Slush a few times. Uh, it's actually a very interesting event and worth going to. But the real magic obviously happens off Slush at the parties, at the dinners, at the after parties. So. Oh, I know. It's a wonderful. The post-pandemic life is, is starting to happen. <laughs> guys, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we're moving into November. Uh, what are you guys up to in the, the, the week to come? Eric, any plans? Uh, I'm ending October with a bang, with a big Halloween party on Saturday. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. What are you dressed uh, up for, to? My girlfriend has actually been uh, making our costume from scratch. She brought wow. these old like curtains and stuff from uh, secondhand stores, and we're being uh, we're going to be dressed as uh, I don't know if you've seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, uh, the the cartoon show. No, nope. <laughs> <We> should, <laughs> I highly I recommend it. The very right. much is this a generational though, thing? Is this a generational <laughs> thing? <Is> that <laughs> probably, probably, but still, if you I don't know if you're a slave under the IMDb. Uh, ratings that I am. If you go mm-hmm. there and you, if you watch on shows, it's very highly ranked up there. So I don't do care about sure. ratings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about, about numbers. the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Roland doesn't care about the numbers. Anyway, Roland, what are you up to the week to come? What are you looking forward to? Uh, I'm going to Paris with my family, which is fantastic. Wonderful. 
Yes. Um, so indulging culture, arts, fashion, design, uh, just street uh, watching and, you know, people watching and four days of intensive uh, we, uh, kind of big city um, deep diving. Wonderful. All right. I'm, I'm going in the total opposite direction. I'm, I'm actually uh, getting in a car, driving up to Umeå this afternoon uh, for uh, a few days up there, uh, both holiday, but also, of course, visiting our north office where our creative director, Erik Olofsson, uh, sits. And perhaps a, a way to illustrate the, the age differences in this podcast, Erik is actually going to a Halloween party. I think Roland and I are thinking about where to send our kids to Halloween parties in the week to come. <laughs> uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll revisit this next week. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the current events and uh, upcoming talks. Visit ScandinavianMind.com newsletter. We'll see you next week. All right, take see care. You.